people will better understand that, oh, yeah, this directly affects me and that these people are, you know, journalists are here for me. They're, you know, they're helping get me the information that I need. Journalism is no longer a one-way conversation where we decide what's important. It's time to turn to our audience to find that out. The first step in this new dialogue is learning how to listen. I'm Michael O'Connell, and you're listening to It's All Journalism. Cole Goines is a journalist, facilitator, and media consultant who helps newsrooms to collaborate and build deeper relationships with their communities. He's sort of a newsroom slash community relationship advisor. Welcome to the podcast, Cole. Hey, thanks for having me. So before we get going here, I did want to thank the American Press Institute for helping set up this interview. We're hoping to collaborate more in the future with API, who are good people that care about making journalism better. So now, Cole, you've written a few articles for API about creating a culture of listening in newsrooms. Why are newsrooms not very good at listening? <laughs> well, I think it's interesting. I, you know, one of the main knee-jerk reactions to that might be that, you know, well, journalists listen all the time, right? I mean, I think it is a core part of, of what we do as journalists. We have to listen to, you know, understand the story, understand what happened, and be able to, you know, accurately relay that information, you know, as journalists. I think what we're not good at is kind of expanding our field of listening, and incorporating some deeper, deeper tactics to really understand kind of the information needs of our communities in a way that really drives the strategy of what we cover, how we cover it, and how we get that information out. So while we do listen a lot, I, I don't think we embed that into our strategy as deeply as we could. So what are some of the big mistakes that newsrooms or journalists make when, they, when they're trying to listen, I guess, to the community? Well, I think like, you know, traditionally we have a pretty set idea as journalists of what like journalism is and what it looks like. You know, it's a story for our website or newspaper or broadcast and it looks a certain way. And that kind of gets to a more transact, a more, I guess, like extractive nature that journalism can be, which is, you know, I have a story. I'm looking to get information to fill my story. And so I think what, you know, we're, we're talking about with more deeper emphasis on listening is getting away from the more extractive nature of journalism and to get more to a transactional nature so that we're being more responsive to what people want to know and how we can think about journalism as more of a service as opposed to just, you know, the journalist knows best. We have a story to fill. You know, we're going to tell it the way that we think we need to tell it. And then we give it to you, the community, you know, at the other end. So I think that really rethinking that you know, what you're giving back as a journalist and how you're really focusing on the relationship aspect of, you know, how your newsroom, you know, engages with the people that you serve. That's one of the things that we can do better. So what are some of the, the steps then that for newsrooms or, or just a journalist to adopt a more deep listening uh, attitude or focus on communicating with the community? Yeah, I, and, you know, that's one of the things that we talked a lot about. And there's an ongoing conversation just around, you know, the, the concept of, engaged journalism, which I think is really related to, you know, this, this notion of, of what we're talking about with deep listening. Um, that's, you know, to me, I think really in finding ways to embed it in your routine um, and into what you do. So, you know, that can be, you know, finding a couple hours a week to, you know, be present and show up at, you know, different community events or creating spaces to uh, invite folks to, uh, you know, share their feedback with you or share their ideas for, for things that they want to know or stories that they think should be covered or even just give feedback on the stories that you've done and how you've told them, how you've framed them. 
Um, so part of this is, you know, really building that into kind of your process. Um, and, uh, you know, organizations like Harkin, I think, have done a really good job of this, which is setting up um, just setting up kind of processes and and making the interaction with the audience and that audience curiosity a core part of the journalism, right? And 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 that's uh, making that like that is the story is that you're responding directly to a question that someone asked, and that's the story. That's how you. That's the news, right? Um, so I think that you know, kind of operationalizing that is is really key. Yeah, some of the uh, podcasts that we've done in the past about solutions journalism, they talk about, you know, creating spaces where people can come into the newsroom or, you know, maybe go to a, going to a, a library meeting room or some place where the community interacts like like the library and just sort of opening yourself up to people coming up and pitching you ideas or giving you feedback on how well they think you're covering the community or maybe even exposing you to stories that you, you may not have known were out there. You know, the more that we can be present and find creative ways to to listen to people and and be you know in the community and open our like being transparent honestly in our own process I think you know journalists are you know we preach transparency all the time we're rarely transparent about our own practices right and how we make decisions and you know what goes into the process of journalism but you know I, I think creating those spaces and I think a lot of times too a default, like a go-to for newsrooms is like, we're going to have an event that's like a panel discussion with our journalists and maybe some experts and we'll talk about an issue and we'll open it up for Q&A. You know, I, what we're suggesting here is, in, you know, to your point, showing up at libraries and going deeper than that, going where people already are, where they're already talking and congregating and, and building relationships that way, as opposed to asking people to come out to your thing and participate in, in, in your event or your story. Yeah, I think, as you said before, sort of make it part of your process as opposed to necessarily creating these artificial meetups, which still may be beneficial and still might be a good first step. I know that, you know, you don't want to get into a situation where you're like, yeah, every second Tuesday we do a we have a meetup in the, in the newsroom where we invite people to come in. And, you know, it, it still doesn't get you into the into the community. And sometimes it's actually it, it's it's better if you can find a way to, you know, embed yourself and bring yourself to the community as opposed to expecting them to come seek you out. And also the other the point I wanted to sort of to stress was uh, this idea of transparency. I think as more people are concerned about this idea of fake news and what the role of the media is, I think it's it's critical that you know, we're transparent about our process. People see us in the community. They, they understand the way we work. And part of that is, you know, you know, explaining the way we cover, you know, events and, and keeping ourselves open, you know, to have that conversation. And I think, you know, the old style newsroom of, you know, you know, people send in letters to the editor or maybe somebody will show up one day at the, the front door. I think those are we've I think we've moved beyond that. We've, got, we've certainly gotten to that place now that we're engaging people in, in social media and we're we're looking for opportunities to, you know, have the, the reporters embedded in the community to seek out stories, different types of stories. I think, you know, we've evolved away from that old sort of model, or at least we should be. And I mean, I think, you know, we look, we we have a crisis in trust and that's being it's under attack more and more. Right. Of what we do and our kind of, you know, just understanding the fundamentals of journalism. And there were even, you know, the American Press Institute put out a you know, results from a survey not too long ago. And I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but it did show that, you know, the public is, they just don't really understand the process of journalism and actually what a journalist does, like what goes into a story and, and how we make decisions. And I think that in itself can breed distrust, right? When you don't understand 
you know, why a journalist made a certain decision, why they included one person and not another in the story. And I think the more that we can, you know, be upfront about that, acknowledge our own biases and biases and assumptions, right, that we can, you know, better present ourselves to the community and, and help them understand what we do and, and why it matters, more importantly. One of the phrases that you used before was deep listening. What do you, what do you mean by deep listening? Yeah. So, I mean, again, like journalists listen all the time and, you know, it's, it's again, part of the job. What we're talking about with deep listening is, is something that is going a step beyond just the listening for your story and like the interview process. Right. And we mean by opening up more of our organizations and our newsrooms to res- to responding to what we hear. And I think creating these opportunities where we're inviting people to share their their feedback, their insights, their ideas, their curiosities with us, and that we're we're incorporating that into our overall strategy, into what we're doing, and we're actually responding to that. So it's it's a step beyond you know just the more transactional nature of you know how we listen as journalists, and to be more holistic and you know expanding who we're listening to as well. You know, a lot of it is about even thinking about like who is my who is my story for, who is this reporting for. Right. And, you know, getting to think a little bit more deeply about how we're connecting with communities that may feel misrepresented by reporting that may, you know, we talk about losing trust, but there are lots of communities who've never had trust in newsrooms to begin with. Right. Uh, Communities of color, like lower income communities, rural communities. Um, There are lots of folks that we can just work to to listen more deeply to understand kind of like how our coverage either resonates with them or doesn't resonate with them and how they can better shape what we do and help inform what we do so that we're telling a, a more accurate and fuller picture, right? There's also, the, the, I originally came across the phrase deep listening because there's a composer, Pauline Oliveros, who passed away a couple years ago, but she had a whole practice called deep listening and she really pioneered this concept of deep listening, which was, in her words, really expanding the field of, of, of where we listen and separating and distinguishing hearing from listening. Like we hear things all the time, our ears are constantly you know, processing sounds and information. But when we listen, it's more intentional. Like it brings an intentionality to what we're hearing. And and I think that that's really a key distinction. And, and we can learn from that artistic practice a little bit to incorporate, you know, more empathy, more creativity and more intentionality, more mindfulness, frankly, to to our process. It sounds very transcendental. And I mean that in a positive way that Rather than just checking boxes, I know that journalists, working journalists, are, when they're out there in the field, they're, they're covering a story in their head and they may be thinking, okay, this is what the story is about. I'm going to check these boxes. And, and they may, you know, they may hear somebody's answer, but they may not actually hear, listen and hear the, the greater story behind it and, and write that story. They may already have preconceptions of how, how they want to put it together. So being more present in the moment with your, with just conversations with people and not thinking so much, again, you know, what you're saying, being transactional, that I just need to get that quote to finish my story, actually listening to what they have to say, why it's important to them. And then, you know, if you can figure out why it's important to them, then maybe that's something that's going to make it easier for you to explain to others why it's such an important story. Yeah. And, and, and you raise this too. I mean, I think it's like checking your, your own assumptions, right? I think that when we do, a lot of this is even challenging our own, the assumptions that we have as, as people, you know, a journalist or people, right? And we, we carry that into the world with the framing that we bring to stories. And we make choices all the time of who we talk to, um, how we frame a story, like who we quote, like what, you know, how, what the lead is like, what the headline is. And all of that has an impact. And 
on you know the people who engage with that that story and that journalism and and I think you know that that can kind of a lot of times we want to like be you know quote unquote objective but you know we need to acknowledge that we're bringing we're bringing our own assumptions and biases into the process as well and that active listening when we're talking to folks that we're really you know that we are internalizing and responding to what people are saying and that we're you know bringing that into our our journalism and our core model our strategy you know that sort of speaks to you know something again we we talked about in solutions journalism of you know identifying different audiences and different you know don't go you know interview the usual suspects and part of that is really learning who your community is and what their story is and 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 listening to what their concerns and you know again you know that's why this is important to you know, to engage your community where they're at and try to see the, you know, their story from their perspective. So newsrooms, we have our mission, et cetera, but people on the business side are going to say, you know, how's, how's deep listening? How is sort of changing our focus is how is that going to affect our bottom line? Is that going to be something that's going to be a positive or is it just going to be something that's not going to have any return on investment? And that's, I think, a, was a core part of our conversation that really um, led to the report that we put out around, you know, a culture of listening was, you know, how do these practices meet our bottom line? Like, I think that they can meet our mission of really serving a community and understanding and responding to information needs of the people that we serve and being uh, more inclusive, you know, with who we're listening to. And I think, like, in that process, like, you know, as, as an industry, there's more of a shift, I think, to the quote-unquote reader revenue, which is, you know, subscriptions, donations, memberships. And these are all more, I think, you know, kind of relational and um, can be more service oriented, you know, approaches, right? And, and that requires, you know, an understanding of what people need and how journal our journalism is kind of fulfilling that need and looking at our craft as more of a service um, that we're, you know, delivering information that can help people make a more informed decision, like that can help me understand, like, you know, understand my ballot, you know, like what to vote for and what's actually going to impact me in a positive way. And that represents, you know, the interest of my family and my community. Um, and I think that, you know, if we understand that, then we'll be able to better communicate really clearly how our journalism is, is meeting that need and why it's important and why, you know, people should pay for it, frankly. Can you give me some examples of newsrooms, journalists, or journalistic adventures that are have sort of adopted this approach and seen success with it? We get into a lot of different examples in the report that we cite and a lot of folks who came out to the uh, to the summit that we hosted in Nashville all represented a lot of different approaches that they've brought to it. Um, I mean, I mentioned Harkin earlier, you know, and, and even tying into the business model, you know, Harkin really has helped a lot of newsrooms weave listening into the foundation of, you know, their, their process by, you know, soliciting questions and curiosity from their audience then and respond, you know, doing stories that directly kind of try to answer some of those questions that they get. That to me is, is kind of in its purest form, like what we're really talking about here. And, you know, they, they did a study with um, Bitch Media where, you know, they showed that people who, you know, submitted questions for journalists to answer were more likely to become, you know, paying subscribers and, or donors at some point. So I think like, you know, we can even see, you know, the, the direct correlation there. But even just on the more mission-driven side, you know, the, the lead of the report that I write is a, a journal star in Peoria, Illinois, where Dennis Anderson, who's the editor there, you know, he realized that they weren't, like, they looked at their own subscriber base and they noticed that there was a big hole in, uh, you know, folk, the community from the South Side, which is largely a lower-income African-American community. 
And he, you know, was like, we got to change this, you know, if we want to serve the whole of our communities, we need to, you know, take the time and the effort to listen to these folks and, and understand kind of how we can better serve them. So they started these monthly meetings where he, and they still do, they've been doing this for years, where they show up um, in different places around the community and they just, they have different sessions. They have listening sessions and invite folks from, from the South side, from the surrounding neighborhoods to come out and, and share with them story ideas or feedback and you know, he cites this as a success because where he wasn't really getting tips or calls or, you know, really getting any kind of feedback from folks on the South side before, now he says he gets, you know, regular calls, tips that people are responding, they're reading the paper, you know, they've built that relationship. So that was a really good, one good example that I liked. Another really creative one was um, Brittany Schock at the Richland Source in Ohio. She hosted a, a baby shower <laughs> with uh, for folks in her community because she was covering, you know, a really serious topic, which is like the infant mortality rate in the area. And, you know, it's a really serious topic. So she was thinking about, you know, how could we, you know, get folks talking about this and connect with people in a way that's not just like, you know, the bad news of, of the, you know, these, these really deep and um, intense emotional stories. So they, you know, worked with community partners and, you know, in, in the area, and they held this like wildly successful baby shower that was really geared or connecting mothers to you know services and getting information to them and showcasing different providers in the area. But then also for her, you know, she had a booth where she, you know, was interviewing women that, that came. So she got sources for her stories. They you know, were able to produce content from the conversations that they have. And, you know, she probably built a greater awareness of the work that she was doing overall just by having an event like this. One of the ongoing problems in newsrooms is a lack of diversity at different levels. I would imagine if you also sort of fold it into this community engagement approach, the idea that you wanted to create a more diverse workforce, that that, that would help your ability to engage with the community, especially if you're, you're bringing more people who are, are like the people you're going to be trying to talk to. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, diversity is one of the biggest challenges facing newsrooms right now. I mean, we're still like, I mean, this is an ongoing problem, even latest round of the ASNE survey that gauges diversity in newsrooms, like they had to like pause the, the collection because they, they, they paused the results because they weren't getting enough people who were actually filling out the survey, which is a problem on its own. And the data even shows that it's not, our newsrooms aren't, you know, or a lot of them are holding steady, um, you know, being predominantly white. And, you know, that it's not that, you know, you can't, listen and you can't cover communities more accurately if you're not from that community. But obviously it does go a long way and is really crucial, honestly, to, you know, understanding things that we may be missing as journalists and how we're framing different things and the questions that we're even asking, the stories that we're telling. We'd have a more accurate representation of that if we had a more, if our newsrooms were more accurately representing the makeup of our communities. And you could even compare that to like, does your newsroom look like the census data? from your community. And if it doesn't, why not? And how can you work to correct that? Yeah. As you said, this is an ongoing problem and something that more newsrooms should be trying to solve. I don't don't know why it's an ongoing problem. Tell me about this event that happened in Nashville. What were you trying to do and and what did you accomplish? The event that we held in Nashville, we hosted it at the Tennessean, which is um, a really great newspaper there in, in Nashville. It was a part of the American Press Institute's Thought Leader Summits that they host essentially kind of a day-long convening of experts and um, folks who are you know, really engaged in a specific topic. So they've done several of these over the past couple of years, and this one was really rooted on listening. 
how newsrooms can form uh, deeper and more creative and more more sustainable opportunities to listen to the whole of their communities. So we had about, I think, more than 60 folks that gathered in Nashville and created a program that was really conversational. There wasn't like panel discussions or anything, but it was really rooted in, you know, the how. How do we as, as journalists and newsrooms really in, uh, work to embed you know, a more deep listening practice into our newsrooms and, and our processes. So we had, you know, a day of conversation and um, it was really energizing, you know, to have a room full of people like that who are a lot of, a lot of whom are actually doing the work and, and doing, uh, doing it in different ways to have those different perspectives represented. And, you know, we took notes throughout the day and um, I t- like took all of that information that um, we talked about during the day and, and drew from all of the, the great work that was being done by folks in the room and put together this, this uh, report that's available on, on API's website that really kind of boils down some of the key lessons and ideas and, and opportunities that we talked about that day. Tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you get into this sort of line of the, the journalism discussion? So I'm a journalist by trade. I mean, I went to school at UNC in Chapel Hill for journalism. I did news and editorial. So, you know, they taught me how to be a really good beat reporter. <laughs> like I memorized the AP style book, like that kind of journalist and I kind of wanted to do like music journalism or some more kind of uh, featurey type type writing. I was really into music and did radio in college as well. But I I got a job at the Center for Public Integrity in DC I think in 2008, and um, I was the social media editor at a time when newsrooms were figuring out what social media was and what they should be doing on it. That kind of opened up the door, you know, to this engagement conversation and my work with, uh, we, we became a member of the Public Insight Network, which was a part of American Public Media. Um, and they were really all about this process of, you know, listening to the community and, and opening up opportunities for people to give, share their experiences and their insights in a way that would inform your reporting and your coverage and the stories that you told. And so that, that kind of set me on a new path around like, you know, not just like social media as an opportunity to, you know, engage with folks, but really, you know, weaving the public into the core of our journalism and making, you know, if we really saying we, we serve the public interest, but making the public center to, to what we do. So that kind of like set me on that path. And I got a job at the Center for Investigative Reporting after that, uh, back in 2012, and spent a little over six years there, about six years there, really focusing on, you know, a lot of creative work that was you know, rooted in making sure that the investigative reporting that we were doing was, you know, really reaching and including um, the communities that we were reporting about, that the people most affected by the issues that we were covering were could get our journalism and get it in a way that they could do something with. Because the story is only as good, you know, as, as if people can get it and use it in some way. So that, that was a big, I guess, like a, a cause of mine is like how we can make make our journalism more, have more utility and give people more agency and help them understand kind of what they can do and make more informed decisions. So yeah, so that's kind of, that's the path. And now I've um, tried to help as, as many other newsrooms do that and, and promote, I guess, this approach and, and um, you know, get creative with, with how we do journalism, how we think about journalism and what it can be, you know, and going beyond just kind of our traditional article formats. Like how do we really think about serving our communities with, with information in a way that, that helps them uh, in their day to day? Like a lot of the things that you said in there, one one of which is that this is kind of beyond social media. I think when we were all sort of moving away from this, you know, journalist as broadcaster as as the person who's covers the story and tells you what's what's important, and more 
you know, listening, the, the social media for a lot of people was kind of a step. It's like, okay, I'll tweet out my story. And it's, oh, it's not enough to tweet out your story. You've got to, you got to converse with somebody. So this idea of, you know, making journalists conversationalists and, and people who listen, don't just ask questions, but, but actually get something back. I think I, I hear, I hear this conversation in, in lots of different forms. I have over the last couple of years. So I think a lot of people are kind of thinking about that. I think the tools that we have now make, make a lot of this much more easy. And, and as the, the, the newsroom model is shifting, is evolving, I think, I, I hope that we get into more of a thing, especially as, as revenue models kind of shake out here in, in the digital space with the opportunity of, you know, why would I pay for something that's, that doesn't reflect what I'm interested in or, or doesn't address the stories that I am. I'll support what I like. I think we see people supporting you know, crowdfunding things, you know, GoFundMe is that they'll support something that they believe in or that some of somebody they know or something that's local because it has meaning for them. And if you can make the journalism meaningful for them, you know, hopefully, knock on wood, they'll they'll come and they'll support it. I hope. That's a really good point because, you know, one of the things that I've noticed recently that kind of really picked on how journalists talk about, you know, now that we're, I think, our, you know, our industry is increasingly under attack even by the president of the United States. You know, and we're trying to make the case for why we matter, you know, and we're trying to explain that to people because revenues are declining, we're under attack, you know, so we're trying to, you know, build, like, explain this to people, like, why we're important. And I've seen there a couple of months ago, I think the the Denver Post, you know, when they faced a bunch of layoffs um, by Alden Capital, their owner wrote a bunch of editorials, did a day of editorials, you know, and, and several of them, you know, were kind of trying to make the case right about like why their their newsroom was essential their journalism was essential but the way it was framed and i've seen this in other editorials and not just calling them out but the way that we talk about it is like like you don't understand why we're good for you and you're gonna miss us when we're gone (laughs) kind of framing which is almost like finger waggy like you don't appreciate us and it's like you know kind of like if you're in a relationship and like your partner's like you don't respect all the work that i put into this relationship and you're not giving me anything like, that's kind of how it comes off to me. And, you know, I feel like we can really do better of just, like, showing people and demonstrating, like, how it how our work does, you know, affect their day-to-day and, and have a positive impact on their lives and be more upfront about, you know, communicating with folks on that and, and showing people rather than just, like, telling them, right? And obviously, like, we're doing important work. Like, that is... I'm not saying that the work that we do, that we do is not important. I'm saying that, you know, we can if we you know embed more of a you know community centered and listening focused practice into uh, what we do and be more responsive to the public and, and think about how we're really meeting information needs and, and going you know meeting information needs of people across our communities we're going to be able to demonstrate that and people will better understand that oh yeah this you know directly affects me and that these people are you know journalists are here for me they're you know they're helping get me the information that I need so so anyways, that, that was just an anecdote I kind of think about when I think about, you know, how we're you know talking about the building the case and demonstrating our value. And it's funny because you, you've circled back to my introduction of you as being a, a, a newsroom community relationships advisor, because quite often the root cause of many relationships breaking up is, is a lack of listening on one part. So I think you're just you're just trying to make things better to, to extend this relationship of of the newsroom and the community so so they, they don't get divorced and go their separate ways. Uh, Cole, thank, thanks for coming on the podcast. This was great. Hey, thanks for having me. This was fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of It's All Journalism. Before I wrap up, I wanted to thank the American Press Institute again for helping to set up this interview with Cole Goins. 
If you're not familiar with API, visit their website, AmericanPressInstitute.org. You'll find a whole bunch of research and tips about making journalism better. Be sure to sign up for their daily email newsletter, too. I subscribe to it, and that's where I get a lot of the topic ideas for our podcast. And since you're signing up for newsletters, why not sign up for the It's All Journalism newsletter? You get all of the latest info about our podcast, including episode notes and news about upcoming episodes and live events. So go to itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page to subscribe. It takes a lot of people to put together an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicole Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy provided our web content. Nick Dupre provided our theme music. Amelia Brust helped out on the booking. Nicholas Hunter provided some support on the web. And I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.